Good afternoon. Uh, my name's Nick Samios. I'm the director and fund manager here at Hermes Capital. Uh, thank you very much for joining our live stream today, our lunchtime Q&A, normally on a Friday, but it's a public holiday tomorrow. Um, special hello to anybody who's watching us uh, on replay or uh, in our archive. We've got a number of archives uh, there. We're beginning to build an archive. And uh, so I'd certainly um, point you to that uh, to make that resource available to you. Uh, we've got three guests today. I'll introduce uh, our first guest, uh, Sule from Jersh Sutherland. How are you going, Sule? Hey, Nick, how are you? Thanks for having us. In the, in the promos for this, I put you down as a trade-on specialist. I noticed on your LinkedIn profile that's, uh, that's one of your uh, talking points, and I, and I know from personal experience that's certainly the case. Well, there's certainly a little bit more enjoyment in uh, operating businesses and trying to save them rather than just dealing with ter ter terminal insolvencies, that's for sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you do you do a, a lot of insolvency, and uh, and, and we'll, we'll we'll get to all of that. Um, I noticed that you're you you're in your office there, or is that a green screen? No, I'm in the office today. Um, there's no one else uh, um, here at the moment, so feeling feeling pretty isolated anyway. Um, yes. a, a break from the children and the wife to be able to do this. So, as a um, as a trade on expert and. Uh, as an insolvency practitioner, what, what, what do you think has been keeping insolvency practitioners busy this week? Well, I actually think um, in the last two weeks it's been um, a pretty sort of shocking situation for most people. I don't think uh, many practitioners have actually been run off their feet in the last couple of weeks as people try and sort of figure out what's going on. It's a very different world for everyone. Um, the, the inquiry rate certainly in the last week um, has increased, but a lot of those are still pretty transactional, small-type uh, liquidation matters. Um, my strong suspicion is at the back end of whenever the stimulus packages come to an end, um, who knows if that's in six months or whether they're extended again, um, but we certainly believe uh, when the tap is turned off in some shape, there's going to be a proliferation of um, SME insolvencies at that point in time. I'm obviously I'm sort of playing TV producer and, uh, and panelist at all, all at one time. So, Brendan, um, um, uh, what, what's keeping um, what's keeping insolvency lawyers, uh, restructuring lawyers, busy this week? G'day, Nick, and thanks for having us on board. Um, much the same as Sule, I don't think anybody um, is as busy as, frankly, we thought we might be. This boom's been. 27 years in the making and I thought that at some point it was going to come unstuck. I never saw, saw this coming, no one did, but I think in reality we were probably in recessionary conditions going, speaking to a lot of people in industry, we were struggling earlier this year anyway. Um, like Sule, you know, we're talking to a lot of people. I think the phone, I watched the phone went quieter a few, three weeks ago um, than I've experienced in a long time. Um, uh, we do two things, one litigation and the other one insolvency restructuring. Uh, we've got a number of deals that we're still working on, of course, but in terms of new matters, um, I mean, I just got off the phone um, on one, so that's an example. Uh, they're out there, um, but the government has put moratoriums in place and insolvent trading protection in place, which has stopped a lot of gigs because the triggers that are there for, in, for appointments of insolvency practitioners have been 
rolled back. Although, see, what I've seen and heard of just recently, I was called this morning about there's a number of funds out there that are looking to maybe enforce now for fear that they'll be frozen out of enforcement. Wow. Uh, so that's occurring. And Brendan, just on that, I know you're, you're, when you're talking about funds, um, you know, we, we've been speculating uh, internally whether, I mean, we're not looking at enforcing certainly not any property right right now, but we've been speculating that the government, you know, which seems to be you know, the stroke of the pen changing everything, I mean, do you think there's a, there's a chance that they, they would actually stop you from enforcing, like put a freeze on enforcement? I think America, doesn't it? I'm not across it in detail, but my understanding is there's some forbearances in place in America of that sort of arrangement, at least that, I could be wrong about that, by the way. I haven't looked at it too closely. But, yes. I think it's 24 hours, maybe. I think that... Um, I think that's coming. Look at look at it this way. What would be the point of the other ones if you don't do that? I mean, I think they're all mad. I don't I don't think any of them are a good idea because all they do is reprice risk. And that all that does is reprice assets. So I don't think the government's thought through what they're doing um, particularly well. Um, however, if you're gonna put in moratoriums, well, there's no point saying your unsecured creditors can't wind you up. But your secured creditor can just step in because there's a lot of lot of businesses that are going to be in basically shut down for the next whatever. Yeah. And so, what's the protection for them if a secured can just walk in tomorrow, rip out? As the story I heard this morning, for example, much uh, more venerable institution that uh, you, you being a much they being a much less venerable institution than yourself, of course, um, Nicholas. But this mob have ripped into one of these businesses that's been mothballed. So the right. previous line was there's no point putting a sole in just yet because there's no exit event on the restructure because no one's going to put money into something where they don't know what the terms are going to be. Um, and so these, I think the directors thought this was just more, let's just mothball everything and pause things. And that's kind of what the line was. And now, but no one expected the receiver. A receiver's been appointed to rip in and take the debtors and cash. So, like, yeah. uh, you'd be a bit, a bit worried to be the first one to do that right now. Listen, we'll, we'll come back to that. I'll just introduce our uh, our fourth panelist, um, uh, Jamie Holroyd uh, from Stratosphere. Where did he go? Hang on a sec. There he is. No. Hey guys, how are you? Hey, how are you going? Good. Um, thanks for joining us. Now uh, you're our our special guest from uh, from WA. Um, I think uh, West Australians, as far as I understand it, have been looking for an event like this to uh, shut out uh, uh, those from over east for some time. So I don't know. If this it's only 87 years we've been waiting for this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, Jamie, um, you're you're a uh, you're a I guess many things you do business restructuring, but but from a from a, a management and operations, uh, you're a strategist. Uh, you're not an insolvency person, and you also get in, involved in the funding. What's uh, what's keeping what's keeping people like yourself busy this week? Look, I think everybody's just trying to get a feel for what's going to happen, and. I always hate using those sort of catch cries, but I think this is unprecedented. I don't think that anybody knows what's going to come out the other end. The big uncertainty is how long this is going to go on for. Is it a short-term issue or a long-term issue? And clearly the strategy that you need to get through it really depends on how long this is going to go. But my, my gut feel already is that it's going to be longer than people anticipated. I think it's going to be sharper and harder than people anticipate. I mean, we're talking about a 
uniform, synchronised shutdown of economies effectively around the world and definitely around the country, um, and going from being in business to complete stop in certain sectors. I'm not sure how the government stimulus is going to play out. Uh, for some people, it's a substantial amount of money that people are starting to receive, but everyone's asking me the same question. Well, is this going to be enough and how long is it going to last and what's going to come next? So I think right. the, the, uh, the level of financial support from the government is so substantial that it's almost scary. Can, can I ask you, obviously being in WA, you, you, uh, mining services is, is big. With, without, you know, we've got a number of clients in mining services and they seem to be going okay at the moment. I mean, what's the general feel? Well, look, it's interesting. We, we have one very large customer in that space. They've got the best outlook they've had in two or three years and they've won a whole series of new contracts in the last couple of months. Um, we, we share the offices here with uh, a, a mining services um, a contractor and they were just telling me that they're almost business as usual as well. So that sector seems to be the least affected out of anybody as far as I can tell at this point. Right. And, and uh, are there any other sectors in WA that, uh, I mean, I guess you've got agriculture uh, and, and construction. I mean, what, what, what about those sectors? I guess ag would be fine. Yeah, well, that seems to be. So we have a large food manufacturing um, customer. Now, speaking with them only this week, their concern is that a lot of the food manufacturers have two segments, one being, um, you know, pubs and clubs and restaurants and the other being retail trade. So you've got one that's completely shut down and one that's going crazy. So we're trying to work out how customers are affected, taking a little bit of time, and then the people who do supply that sort of trade business are trying to pivot into how do they support retail. So now one of the fears is that there's a stockpile of food, obviously, that's not being sold into those traditional you know, restaurants and everything else, plus a lot of that uh, stock is imported. And so there is a ton of food on the water that's coming. So the customer suggested to us that you're going to see paddocks full of containers, full of dry goods, and right. that food store is potentially going to run out of space. Right. So that's something we're trying to keep an eye on to see how it goes. Now, we ran one of the big food distributors just to see how they're going in terms of their cool store availability and I think they're okay at the moment but I'm not sure there's a lot of forward planning going on. Yeah I mean I, look, I've had clients that supply the likes of Woolies and Coles over the years and I'm familiar with this concept of pipe fill you know you get the first order and it's going to go to 800 Woolworth stores and you think it's going to be the same every week but the same thing is probably happening in people's homes where they've got you know their, their larders are chockers and you wonder if there's going to be a drop-off in demand. One of my sons works at uh, packing shelves at Coles, and uh, they seem to be extending his shifts. So, what 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 are you? What about you, um, um, Sule? Do you uh, are you getting any inquiry from uh, retailers? Um, probably not. I think um, re retail is an interesting proposition from a restructuring professional point of view because at the small end, what you end up uh, ordinarily having is people have a closing down sale, get rid of as much stuff as possible and walk the keys down to the landlord and hand the keys over uh, yeah. and hope the guarantees don't come and get them. Um, yeah. that, that doesn't apply to those who've got central HQ um, and significant sort of back office and multiple locations, of course. Um, but besides the, the in, in the early two months of the year where some major 
retail um, businesses went into administration or the like, I, there hasn't been that many significant ones occurred after that period of time, or at least in the last two weeks of official, two and a half weeks of official lockdown anyway. Um, Brendan, I, I know that uh, you, you, do, uh, you do a bit of work with funds. Um, are, are there any industries that, that you're seeing? Obviously, retail is the obvious one. Are there any industries that, 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 uh, that you're getting particular inquiry from? We're getting a fair bit of inquiry, but it's pretty, pretty broad. Um, I just echo what everybody else has said. Um, the problem is too, a lot of them are too far gone and just they're just in shock. So yeah. engagement out of them. I think we'll hear more from them. We need to see an end in sight for a lot of these businesses that are being mothballed before we can do anything for them restructuring-wise. Um, so, um, so there's the part of the market that's just shut. So I spoke to somebody who had sacked 600 staff yesterday. Um, wow. Yeah. Sorry? Sacked or stood down? Um, uh, yeah, I suppose you'd say they've taken advantage of the stand downs. But that, I think essentially, you know, crystallised because they kept 100 and the 100 are on the 25%. So yeah. you know, the government pays 75%, they pay the 25% top up. It's kind of how it's worked out for their, most of their staff, the head office to take Sulway's example. But they, they laid off 600 people. That's, I think it was Jamie, was, someone was saying, this is going to cost the government a fortune. But, yeah. you know, so there's a lot of that going on. So there's those businesses. I'm not. They've got other projects where I might be getting involved, where there's big chunks of bank deck, yeah. um, you know. But, no, then then you've got the ones that are done well out of it. We've got a few clients that, that we're involved with at the moment that are doing pretty well out of it, thank you very much, like your, your food people but and ag, but for how long that lasts, I don't know. And then there's everybody else that I think is going to be the next wave. So property is going to be, I think, an issue. There's, um, I'm hearing insurance is like there's all sorts of perversities that are going to flow from this yeah. um, in sectors that haven't been considered as obviously linked to yeah. the down. Yeah. Yeah. I just add a couple of things to Brendan's there, if you don't mind, Nick. Um, sure. It's hard to make sense of what industries. Uh, at this point in time, turn a bit weeks into this. Um, but in the last five or six days, um, out of the Sydney office, we've had appointments across recruitment, um, okay. dentistry, which I yeah. might add is uh, um, that's something that hasn't happened in the majority of my career. Dentists usually um, yeah. are an immune business, and unless there's some sort of personal behavioural issues with dentists, they're usually um, quite a profitable business. Um, and obviously hospitality in terms of catering um, uh, restaurants and things like that. So it's hard to make sense of those industries um, as to what's a proliferation of problems at the moment. Yeah. Okay, look, we'll move on to some of the things that we're seeing in the news. And hopefully if I click on this, we've got my first headline, which is uh, new to bank SMEs face imminent credit. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm going to come to you in a second, Jamie, to get your thoughts on that because I know you do a, a little bit of, a, well, a fair bit of arranging. I was just talking to a friend of mine about half an hour ago who uh, is an equipment finance broker and he does a, a lot of equipment finance. Um, and here are some of his comments. Uh, he said that uh, uh, there is often when you're arranging lease finance, people get pre-committed limits. They might have a limit for a million dollars and throughout the year they're buying bits, odds and sods of equipment and drawing down on those limits. Obviously, those limits are now uh, banks are having second thoughts on. 
Um, another thing I heard was that if you're applying for new credit to a bank and they find out that you've got COVID relief with another bank, um, you know, they're not calling it a black mark, but they're saying thank you, but no thank you. Um, that's that's something else that, that that's, that's being talked about. Uh, processes are being dragged out, so things that normally took 24 hours are taking a week. Uh, they're reviewing their credit matrices, so normally their, their credit approval process, particularly in equipment finance, I'm talking about a, a, if you fit the matrix, well, those are being reviewed. Um, the other thing was um, I saw David Gandolfo, who's the president of CAFPA, the Finance Brokers Association, uh, was making the comment that the banks have been making it hard for their brokers to apply for relief for their customers. And my other friend said that the CBA now has an opt-out process. So rather than have to apply to get help, um, you have to apply not to get help, more or less. You, you opt out of that process. So, so Jamie, um, I know that one of the hats you wear is is finance broker. What, what, how, how does this play to you, this headline, new to bank SMEs finding imminent credit crunch? Look, um, it's quite interesting. We, we did a lot of analysis around the GFC and most people didn't see the GFC coming or predict it. Now, there were a few very wise people who said, if you, if you keep an eye on the cost of credit to those second-tier providers, that you should be able to see it coming because it will start to escalate. And so we're starting to get emails coming through about different firms you know, putting up their interest rates as at the same time as Reserve Bank's cutting interest rates. So that's a concern. There's been a proliferation of you know, fintech, neobanks or whatever you want to call them. But I would expect that there'll be a washout of some of those. Some of them are good. Um, I don't expect all of them to survive. Um, we're hearing stories that the banks processing centres, particularly in India, India and the Philippines, they're closed. So you've got to expect the banks going to be slow to respond in certain areas. I expect that those centres in the next, near future will be onshore and um, those will probably relocated so um it, things are slow things are uncertain there's been a lot of discussion around the banks partially uh, the government's partially guaranteed two hundred fifty thousand dollar you know working capital emergency facility that's been slow to roll out because people can't work out where it fits you also have customers who might have been in mild distress beforehand who are not going to be allowed access to it and other customers are in better shape who will be allowed access to it. so we talked about some of those perverse outcomes you talk about who's got access to the help and who doesn't have access to the help. Um, I, I ask, I, I'm asking this question of a lot of people, so I'm just coming to you next is, um, and I'll just go to the next, uh, the next uh, headline. Uh, more companies will fold un under lengthy shutdown. I want to try and keep these, uh, these, these streams as positive as possible. Uh, I don't want to get too negative on them, but we've got this BAQ has received 10,000 requests for assistance from its 168,000 uh, small and medium uh, businesses. If I was in restructuring, if I was in credit restructuring, if I was in bad bank as a small business client, it, it, what sort of relief do you think is available to me? Well, I think um, it's really difficult for a bad banker at the moment um, to deal with these sort of issues. Because I think Brendan alluded to it um, in, the, in his prior response. Um, there's, a, there's a real issue here around the secondary market for assets and business in distress. So if you're a bad banker and you've got a client or a, um, yeah, a client who's experiencing some issues, if, if, they're, if they're responsive in terms of information, um, cooperating, keeping you informed and things, you're probably more than likely going to give them a little bit more rope. 
um, uh, because what do you do with their particular assets and business at this point in time? I mean, let's be frank, no one wants to do anything at the moment. I don't want to buy a car. I don't want to buy um, anything. I don't want to make any decisions. And um, I think that's reflective of a lot, where a lot of people are. So if you, you know, a bad banker has got, bad banker, um, has, has, has got a business that's got some issues, um, what's the salvation? for their business and or assets and or recovery process. Um, very, very difficult. Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, what, what, what about uh, your thoughts, uh, Brendan, on the on the restructuring parts of banks and what they might or might not be able to do? Yeah, very little. They're not selling. The problem as a, that you've got as a bank is you own too much of the market. They'll have large portion of their debts going into impairment of their book. Um, they're too big. They have too much debt to just sell into the market at the same time. So, you know what I mean? They're their own, they create their own problems. And so um, I think as Sule said, they don't really, at this point, they'd be mad to try and step on enforcing, um, you know, against certain sectors. I've heard rumours that the word receivership's been used in banks for the first time in, in 10 years the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking to a banker yesterday, that you know that wasn't their thoughts. So I think it varies different bank to bank. But the big issue is the big problem that's coming down the line for everybody is liquidity, as Jamie is alluding to. I mean, liquidity is going to be the problem. And what we haven't talked about is that public companies, because we do work with some people that want to raise that the bigger end of town. They, you know, there's no listings happening at them. There's no IPOs. There's no, you know, there's no recaps. That it, it's. So where do you get your money from at the moment? The banks aren't doing new deals. I know that you, you know, obviously obvious areas like uh, large publicly listed entities that are involved in travel um, seem to be trying to get capital raises away. And I haven't seen them with it being successful uh, or, or yet, but it'd be interesting to know what sort of a discount you would pay for those shares. Well, I, I speak to quite a few different businesses in different sectors, diverse ones, and, you know, like, they struggle to get, and I wouldn't like to say who they are because they're public, but yeah, the, the general view at the moment is that there's no money to be made on, you know, if you've got a list or if you've got a capital raise, now's not the time to do it. And if, you've, if there's any hairs on it, it'll, it'll be a struggle. And so the flow on effects of that is, is manifold, including that the poor bankers, which everyone hates, <laughs> lawyers and the accountants have nothing to work on. Yeah. This is where the government hasn't put it through. It's one market. We're all linked, you know. And so now you look at KPMG, one, you know, you're getting to it. But all of them, you know, they're yeah. all starting to cut. The big guys are all cutting staff and they're not spending money. It's a Sule is not spending yeah. money. We're all fulfilling it. But there's no well, uh, Yeah, I, I would just say I had a friend at G who always said you've got to separate the banker from the bank. The banker is usually, uh, you know, a nice uh, uh, person <laughs> what they can but they're, they're normally handcuffed uh, due to the bank. Uh, interesting, so that article I've got there refers to BAQ, and that's from the Sydney Morning Herald. There was another article, which may have been the same press release, I don't know, but I've just highlighted there, is this a V-shape or U-shape? They're talking about a V-shaped uh, uh, re recovery. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go to you next, Jamie. What did, I mean, we can't really tell what's down the road. What do you think about uh, a V-shape, meaning things bounce back with, with a vengeance. Oh, look, I think, and I don't want to be respectful to 
different opinions. We always like to keep a second option open, but I think that's fanciful, to be honest with you. Yeah. So um, I think that uh, it was touched on a couple of points where there's unintended consequences. So the fact that creditors now can't enforce against you means you can't force your customers to pay you either. So we're, we're expecting that you're going to see businesses move to COD and cash terms. Yep. Yeah, we, we, uh, um, I did a live stream last week on Tuesday, and if anybody's interested, it was with Travis Dix from NCI, and uh, we talked about tips and, uh, tips and hints uh, for, for, for getting, getting paid. I mean, my, my mantra is that the government's providing bailouts and the banks are effectively providing, you know, passing on the bailouts of the government. SMEs shouldn't be bailing anybody out. So, you know, people should be paying their SME invoices. Obviously, me as a as a debtor financier, I'm self-interested to say that, but people yeah. have got to keep their bills. And I've got to say, so far, we, we you know, we're noticing that collections, uh, collections seem to be fine. Um, okay, the next article I've got here, I'll come to you, Sule. Um, the two big, well, this is a similar sort of subject, I suppose. Uh, this is Caramelli in the Financial Review. Two big calls bank bosses are about to make. One was about dividends. Well, I think that one's been made. Then the banks aren't paying dividends. Uh, I think it's the story. They're hanging on to, hanging on to that money. Uh, but the other one is trying to work out uh, if and what sort of provisions they should be making. I mean, how would you? I mean, you're an insolvency. You know, the bank. Uh, you know, the head of uh, restructuring at uh, Westpac rings you up and says, "Listen, Sule, can you help us out?" Um, in trying to work out a loss position, how would you go about doing that? Extremely difficult. I might just, um, before I sort of get into the, into the question you've asked me, it's interesting and quite scary, really. I, I love looking at charts, um, particularly of the banks, and I did um, see a chart not too long ago that uh, sort of compared what the banks have been doing in the last month, five weeks, to what happened in 1929. Um, and uh, we're all hoping that the second half of the graph doesn't um, enliven itself because essentially the graph in 1929 looks like 30 to 45% down very quickly, um, yeah. a, a moderate recovery, and then the next 50% slide after that. So um, okay. yeah, it's extremely concerning if it was to head in that direction. Um, yeah. But anyway, I'm not a chartist, as you said, insolvency practitioner. I yeah. think... Um, the, the banks uh, have got their hands full looking after existing clients. Um, yeah. And I think it's well known, new business is very difficult to write at the moment. Um, if, if the existing clients are misbehaving themselves, it's very difficult to deal with them because there's no secondary market in lots of industries. Um, yeah. I don't think anyone um, who's invested in banks who's thought about it logically is expecting a dividend in the next 12 or 18 months. Um, that, you know, yes, some of the capital adequacy provisions have been relaxed um, in the crisis, but fundamentally um, investors won't be expecting great dividends out of this. Um, there's a bit of pain to come. That, you know, it's really quite immeasurable for the banks what impact on earnings this is going to have. Um, and any, um, like myself, fair weather investor will be looking at the next reporting season and being quite concerned about what numbers roll out at that point in time. Look, I mean, from our from our point of view, um, I mean, Brendan said a minute ago, uh, you know, larger firms looking to raise capital, you know, because at one end you've got SMEs trying to raise money uh, from their banks. At the other end you've got uh, 
larger firms, you know, trying to raise capital in the markets. I mean, what you know, we're we're certainly uh, very interested in, in in the middle market, I guess, the lower middle market, and capital raisings there because they're sort of caught between the uh, the devil and the deep blue sea. They're they're not really small enough to get the uh, the cuddles from the banks, and they're not quite big enough to go to go to the market. So we're you know we're beginning to see a little bit in that space, and we're, we're certainly getting ready for that. Um, okay, my next slide is. Uh, PM plans staggered virus exit. So um, I guess this, you know, I was talking, we, we had our uh, weekly sales meeting with, with, with uh, my state managers this morning and one of them said, uh, made the analogy about, you know, we're supposedly hibernating, uh, but when a bear hibernates, they have a nice big feast uh, before they go to the cave, but nobody really got a chance to hibernate um, this, this time around. You'll be pretty good to pick this one. So, um, you know, when can we go back to work? Do you? I mean, how long can this last? When, when and, and is a staggered? You know, do we say anybody under the age of thirty and and uh, you know with a VO two max of X can go back to work, and the rest of us have got to stay shut up indoors? What what what, what do you think, Brendan? Are you asking the wrong person, mate? I, I mean, I don't know, but I think the whole thing's mad. Yeah. The elephant in the room is what the heck are we doing, guys? We're ruining our economy. Yeah. Why are we all saying no? It doesn't make any sense. The numbers don't justify it from what I can see. And if you're immune deficient, I've got friends at home, yeah, fair, and you're old, stay home. But yeah. for the rest of this, I mean, and what happens when we come out? It doesn't go away, this thing. We're going to all get it anyway, it seems. But whatever. I don't know. Like, what can they ever, can we ever come out safely? Does it, it doesn't make sense to me. What's happened elsewhere? You know, maybe we'll come out in a staged way, my sense, in a few months. But you got intergenerational conflict arising out of this. Like, I, a lot of people are really angry about the lockdowns, oh. you know. And I, I worry about, I worry about what, what the flow-on effect for society is because a lot of people feel really upset about it. Um, well, I've got, uh, you know, I, I've got uh, youngsters uh, saying to me, "Well, we all, we're all staying home for you now to, to stop you oldies like me. I'm a pentagenarian." I think, or quintage, I don't know, I'm in my 50s anyway. Uh, you know, we're staying home for you so you don't die of this thing. And uh, when this is over, we're going to expect uh, you to, uh, to sort of sign into the Green New Deal. But, but let's not, let's not go, go quite there. Um, Jamie, the other guys, um, I guess it's a fair comment to say they tend to get involved when things have gone horribly wrong. I'm sure they'd like to get involved before then. But you uh, are sort of more ahead of the curve, I guess. You, I'm imagining, would get involved earlier on. How do you how do you forecast? Because I know you get involved in forecasting and that sort of thing. I mean, how, how do you scenario plan? You know, are you working with clients and scenario planning? This thing ends in three months. It ends in one month. It ends in six months. What, what do you yeah, do? That, that, I mean, look, that's a great question. And just uh, we're in the middle of due diligence on an acquisition at the moment, right? So, and we've spent two months trawling through profit and loss and sales reports and average revenue by business day and revenue by customer by business day and i said to both you know the vendor and the purchaser that you know this might be a waste of time because the world's changed and so what we're trying to do is i've asked the vendor to uh, list all their customers by industry and we're trying to rank those by industry risk and trying to make uh, a, a sound decision with imperfect information, but it is difficult. The, the scenarios that we've been running through is six months, 12 months and 18 months. I don't think you can think past that, but they're the three likely outcomes. Uh, we've had one client who does a bit of work um, 
import the equipment from uh, Italy. So in Italy, it's been running circa four months. So we've got to expect it's going to be at least that long. Um, the, look, the big uh, focus for me really is looking at what's happening in Sweden. So Sweden's gone a different direction. They've gone the... Well, they've moved to the herd immunity model. Now, when I speak to medical professionals, that's what they all mention to me, but no one mentions it publicly, that you let a percentage of the population catch the virus, the lower risk, um, quarantine all the high-risk people, and you build immunity. So that the, the, the concern with what we're doing in Australia is, and I'm tracking this every day, if you look on my Facebook page, I've, I've published the numbers each day, and I've just added Sweden to the data series. But in Australia, the, the death rate has been around 0.5%, starting to move up to about 0.7, but it's basically a tenth of what it is anywhere else. So the challenge with that is if you, uh, a bit like Brendan was saying, if you lock people up, well, it's not going to achieve anything. <laughs> so everyone's going to come out and they won't have any immunity and we've destroyed the whole economy for it. And I think that, you know, this is intergenerational theft that's going on at the moment. And, you know, for what's happening right now, this, I, don't, I can't see this debt being paid off in under 100 years. Like, if you think about what the deficit's going to look like, it's going to be circa, you know, almost 200 billion at least. Now, that's just the deficit. Now, it's, if that takes five or six years to come under control, and we're 12 years post the GFC and it's not under control, it's going to be 10 years before we even start. Think about repaying. Surely the whole world is going to have to inflate all of this stuff away. I mean, that's, 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 what you've got to, uh, that's what you've got to ask yourself, how we, uh, how we get out of it. Um, what, uh, how, how are you guys finding working from home? I mean, what are you, you know, are you finding it more productive, less productive? I think, um, you know, there, there, will, there will be some um, alteration to how Australian businesses conduct their business um, at the back end of this, and that's something I suppose positive. Um, whilst it's been thrust upon us in a quite an unusual, scary way, I think flexible working arrangements, uh, working from home, um, uh, remote access, and all these sort of investments in technology, um, I think there's some real positives there. Uh, but there's no doubt for a for a professional services firm um, that uh, timesheet as a core benchmark and productivity is not going to be the same if the bulk of your workforce is working from home as opposed to coming to the office. Now, that's not to say you couldn't, you can't be productive from home, um, but I think most of us uh, sub subliminally like the routine and the procedure of getting up in the morning, having a shower, coming yeah. to work, setting the work day and working for seven, eight hours and doing your thing. Um, not many people have an environment at home that you can put yourself to task for seven, eight hours, whatever it might be, and be as productive without any interference or distraction. Um, so overall, I think productivity at this time, because of the fear and concern, is down, is, is my position. Yeah. All right, well, look, guys, uh, I'm just looking at the clock. We might, uh, we might wrap it up. Any sort of closing, closing thoughts or comments from, uh, from, from Jamie or Brendan? Look, from our perspective, we've been working on um, customers building scale for the last couple of years, and I think that trend will accelerate. I think that hopefully we come out of the other end of this with some serious economic reform, which has basically been on the back burner for kind of circa 10 years, um, and we come out of it um, bigger and stronger. So I think there's going to be heaps of M&A uh, opportunities, and um, I said most of the 
customers just need scale. Is that what you would say? Opportunities coming out of this? Uh, yeah, I hear high net worth telling me that it's nothing but opportunities. I'm sure Jamie's right, but the problem, if you look at how these things work, I think there's a heck of a lot more downside to come, and I think a lot of people are going to get burnt trying to be smarter than everybody else by buying up the opportunities that turn out. You know, they call them depressions because they're depressing. You know, it's because yeah. it's really hard to time the bottom. And yeah, there'll be some scar there'll be opportunities, but then who's got money? I think you've got to be really careful. I think this thing's got, a, I don't think the government has any clue what they've done globally. And they've yeah. started this pack of cards. It's going to be really hard to arrest. I don't, it's going to be pretty bad, I reckon. But at some point, Jamie, you'll be right. <laughs> it's just got to, don't know when. Look, I, I, my personal view is that uh, certainly the health thing, I think that we'll all be back to work a lot sooner than uh, certainly than what they were saying a little while ago. I think there's going to be a lot of pressure to get, get everybody up and running again. I'm, I'm on Botany Road. I can see plenty of traffic out there. There's certainly still a lot of construction still going on. I, I do come into the office every morning and the tradies are still, uh, you know, driving like lunatics uh, in their utes and what have you. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of upbeat health-wise. I think we'll be okay health-wise. Uh, Economy-wise, who knows? But look, uh, thank you very much, uh, Sule, uh, trade-on expert, uh, and, and, and Brendan and, and Jamie. And uh, thank you to everybody uh, for watching, whether it's live or uh, on our replay. Um, thank you very much, and uh, we'll see you again. Cheers. Thanks. 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 Thank you. Well,